What do you get when you spend over one billion on transfers? Give Arsenal a new manager with five new players, build Spurs a sixty-two thousand seat stadium, throw in two new referees, and welcome the return of the Wolves, Bluebirds, and the Cottagers? The start of another exciting Premier League season. This is Who Kicked the Corner Flag, an English soccer game show podcast. Kevin De Bruyne who sets up a shot and scores. And now it's with Harry Kane, and it's another chance to make it three, and he doesn't miss this time. That's Coutinho for Salah. Oh, that's brilliant. Mo Salah's header from Coutinho's excellent cross. And here's your host, James Rose. Hello, yes, and welcome to our podcast and to the first episode of our second season. We're excited to be back on the podcast Airwaves to bring you the week-by-week analysis of the Premier League, as well as some fun contests and games to test our rivals' English soccer knowledge. We're delighted to be joined today by the chairman of the Casey Gooners, the man whose counter-offer for Cronky's stake in Arsenal was refused and apparently hates nuts in baked goods. No one sent him a pecan pie. It's Boyce Richardson. How are you, bud? You know, another year, the same old story, but uh, positive overall, I guess. Positive somewhat, feeling it, maybe, we'll see. Uh, Sadly, once again, we are without Jared this week, uh, but we are delighted to welcome back the man who carries the weight of the city analysis on his shoulders, the man who sees Guardiola as a saint, and who comes to us from a distance of about 6,293,760 feet. Yes, I googled it. It's Tim Crean. How are you, bud? I'm doing great. Great job Googling the feet. And uh, for City, it's three points down, 97 to go now. (laughs) 97 to go. I like that. Before we get started, it is not too late to sign up for our Fantasy League contest. Uh, Although you might be a little behind now, we had a week played, uh, there is always time to catch up. So do sign up via fantasy.premierleague.com and you can find the league code on our Twitter or Facebook page. I did just check the leaderboard and I am damn near at the rock bottom. Um, So early days. Tim, I think you're midway. Boyce, I think you're a little bit ninth or eighth. Um, So again, early days. We'll see what happens. Look at the standings right now. It appears that I am three points behind Tim in ninth place. So, uh, (laughs) you know... Yeah, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but Aubameyang certainly didn't help me out today. Aubameyang, yeah, and I had uh, Aguero, who I thought might get one. Um, He does love to score against us. (laughs) I was surprised he didn't. Uh, Well, let's start off this uh, contest, uh, of course, with our top three segment, where our contestants try to figure out which stories and games were the most discussed. Three points for guessing number one, two for number two, and so on. Tim, since you're a guest, why don't you go ahead and snag those easy three points by telling us which fixture was the most talked about? Yeah, no question here. I think Manchester City Arsenal. That would be absolutely correct. So, yes, Sam, that'll get you those three points. Manchester City begin their title defense with a 2-0 victory over Unai Emery's Gunners. Uh, Fun stat for you here. Guardiola remains unbeaten against Emery in all competitions, uh, winning seven and drawing four of their 11 meetings. Uh, Tim, what was your biggest takeaway from City's performance today? I thought that uh, overall they looked they looked great. They looked not uh, far off the form they left us with uh, in winning the title last year. Um, they there was a there was some rust all around, uh, specifically from uh, Ederson. looked uh, looked bad. He had a few turnovers that could have cost uh, City towards the end of the game there. But overall, I think they looked fantastic. And again, this was out 
was without David Silva, who um, apparently could have played, but it wasn't a hundred percent. And a little backhanded shot at Arsenal. They said if it was a more more important game, he would have played, but uh, he was uh, sat down. And then De Bruyne didn't come on until the second half either. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Sane, just in in regards of numbers. But I mean, there's there's the little things that that worry City fans, be, having no true backup. For Fernandinho, um, the uh, the percentage of, of kind of shots on target and quality chances, and then you know kind of the biggest one right now is is dominating in possession and overall play, but not kind of putting the game away sooner than uh, you know midway late to the second half when they scored that second goal. Mm-hmm. So if you want to nitpick, there's things here and there, but uh, as a City fan, you, you know you got to be happy with uh, with how they looked and how easily they took care of a an Arsenal team that I, I agree was. Um, you know, while uh, while it wasn't the best performance, I think there was a lot to take from that uh, in the positive side mm-hmm. in a team that's definitely in transition. Who was the uh, the standout man of the match for you? You know, there was a lot of guys who stood out. Bernardo, I saw a lot of people uh, call their man of the match, uh, and he was just all over the place, which was great. Um, I thought that uh, John Stones and Laporte, both of them, I, I thought Stones played a little better. Again, some people said Laporte. Uh, but my man of the match was Sterling. Scoring that first goal so early is always so important. And just, you know, the fact that he had Mares on the right, which is his usual position, so he started on the left, but at any time during the match, you could find him all over the pitch. And he had the Arsenal defenders' heads just kind of going back and forth mm-hmm. trying to find him, and that created so much space for everyone else. So his fitness probably wasn't 100% there. He, uh, you know, there was a lull in the second half for him where he wasn't quite as explosive as he was in the first half. But overall, um, I just love what he does and, and how much he helps everyone around him. Mm-hmm. Talking about speed, I think the one moment that caught me was Carl Walker's absolute, felt like 50 mile an hour bolt down that wing. Um, that was just, God, that was something else. Boy, do so I miss- bad that- yeah, there's ahead. rumors in training. There's rumors in training too that him and Sane and Sterling race all the time, uh-huh. and that he pretty consistently wins. So he uh, he could be the fastest guy in the Premier League. He has to be. I mean, at least like maybe 25, 30 miles an hour. Anyway, uh, to be debated. Boys, despite the loss, uh, how did Emery's Arsenal team perform in this match? In your opinion? Well, I think first and foremost, you have to acknowledge the fact that Arsenal will not be the last team to lose two or more to nil at home to this Manchester City squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're just incomparable in the league. It's incredible. And I think when you look at things from an Arsenal perspective today, I really do think that there were positives to take away. I mean, hell, we made a 52nd minute tactical substitution, which is something that I don't think I've seen in 22 years. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> it definitely looks like the players had some positional discipline today that I really don't think that you saw, especially towards the latter years mm-hmm. in the finger era. Uh, um, you know, Arsenal's problems are just a player personnel standpoint these days. I think, I think what you see is when you're comparing the Arsenal squad to the city squad is a situation where city's just better at almost every position. And that came out today. Mm-hmm. It's weird to say that it's a net positive, but when you look at the situation and as an Arsenal fan, and you accept the the fact that Sterling and Bernardo both scored goals from the top of the 18-yard box. Uh, these weren't tap-in goals, although Aguero should have almost certainly passed to De Bruyne at one point, I believe in the second half when Guendouzi was exposed. And uh, that would have been a tap-in. And it was Czech, wide open. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. De Bruyne should be pissed in that situation. Yeah. Aguero just needed a, you know, a through ball right there, and, and it's 2-0 a hell of a lot earlier. Uh I just definitely think that Arsenal, 
I think the thing that surprised me today, in all honesty, and I, I would have hoped and imagined that it would have surprised a lot of people, is just how toothless Arsenal were on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. I, I think my expectation for Mesut Ozil this season, after obviously a fairly lackluster World Cup campaign and being all over print journalism for his statements about Germany, was that he would come out like a house on fire and try and prove his point. But both he and Mkhitaryan today looked absolutely awful. You know, mm. Ramsey was so bad he got subbed out. Xhaka kept doing the same nonsense that he always does. Uh, Guendouzi looked looked good generally, but you could fault him for Sterling's first goal for stupidly backing off of him. Mm-hmm. And again, he's the one that was responsible for that situation where Aguero should have passed to De Bruyne and would have scored a goal. Mm-hmm. But I think moving forward, you know, it's hard to be upset overall just because I think that this is going to be replicated by City repeatedly throughout this season and I think once Herrera gets bedded into the lineup and Arsenal play teams that are not the level of Manchester City I think things are going to be okay Arsenal's problem for the rest of this campaign is the fact that they could very well start six points behind everybody because they go to Chelsea next week you know it's one of those situations where with Manchester City we talked about it last year and we'll talk about it this year you get a few opportunities each match and if you don't cash in on them, you're going to lose. Yeah, They just have too much talent. I mean, you're talking about a lineup that they added Riyad Mahrez to, and then they got Benjamin Mindy back from injury. And with that, now they have a world-class left back, and everybody else is just falling behind. There's a very good chance that they end up winning the league again mm-hmm. with a few matches left to go. Liverpool is really their only competition this mm-hmm. year. Maybe that's a segue onto our next one, boys, because uh, we are back to you with second and third spots still available. So what do you think made the topics? Uh, let's go with Liverpool's 4-0 demolition of the still terrible West Ham. I might have given it away a little bit, but that is absolutely <laughs> correct. Yes, and that'll get you those uh, those two points. Liverpool opened their 2018-19 campaign with four goals against the Hammers thanks to Mane, not Sane, Mane, uh, Salah and Sturridge. Final score was, uh, as you said, 4-0. Um, so, boys, on to that point. Um, very early in the season, obviously just one game down. But are there suggestions that Liverpool could be title contenders this season? Oh, I think there are more than suggestions. I think that this Liverpool team is significantly better this year than it was last year. You're talking about a squad that starts with Van Dyke in the back. They only added to their offensive weapons. It's unfortunate for them that they didn't end up getting Fakir, but they still have Mosala, Sadio Mane, and Firmino up front. I promise that we won't devolve into a discussion of Fantasy Premier League too much on the podcast, but... (laughs) Thanks to uh, Sadio Mane for the double goal performance today. He's the only thing that saved my weekend. Um, <laughs> nice. But I do think, I think this Liverpool team has the medal to match with City. I, I think the problem for Liverpool that's probably going to evidence itself throughout the course of the year is that City is a deeper squad with more weapons. Liverpool brought Daniel Sturridge and Jordan Henderson off the bench today. But if you were watching the Arsenal-Manchester City match, Manchester City brought De Bruyne... Gabriel Jesus and uh, Sané off the bench today. Those are better players. I mean, I just think in the end, I think it's going to be closer this season than it was last season, Mm -hmm. but it's still going to be the same result. I just think you're going to see some stratification this year that you saw a little bit of last year, but I would imagine you're going to have one and two and then three, four, five, six, Mm -hmm. and then probably seven, eight, and whatever forms that those take. But there will be 
pretty significant gaps between them, and I just don't think you'll see the one-two gap that we saw mm. last year. Yeah, so Liverpool spent, I believe this is this is right, Liverpool spent about £225 million overall in their summer transfer window, and a lot of that going to their goalkeeper. Um, we talked last season about Liverpool having defensive issues. Um, do we think they're going to get significantly better, or do you still think, based on their performance today or just in general, that they're going to have some weaknesses in that department? I mean, I think that they're still susceptible at the back. I, you know, Allison had a few moments today where he didn't necessarily look like he warranted the hefty price tag that Liverpool paid for him. Mm-hmm. But I don't think any goalkeeper is going to do that. I think Chelsea's going to find a very similar situation as the season progresses. And, you know, when I look at it, it's a situation where it, it's really not that much different than Manchester City. I, I think they're susceptible at the back as well. But... As you saw with the Arsenal match today, and I, as you'll continue to see throughout the campaign, you have to get the ball to the back. You have to get it into the final third. And with Liverpool's front three and the, their midfield at this point, that's not exactly an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, They spend so much time on the front foot, and they have so many scorers. And the minute that they put the ball in the back of the net, you're under pressure. And you know, West Ham found that out today, mm-hmm. although you know, West Ham... West Ham going to West Ham. Um, <laughs> West going to spend, mo- spend money and not do anything with it. It's the West yeah. Ham way. Well, West Ham being West Ham. Yeah, I was going to say, this is a question for you, Tim. Uh, I mean, they did buy a couple of players in this window, but uh, what do what do these hammers need for, for some consecutive success, that kind of feel-good mentality, rather than getting thumped 4-0 by Liverpool? Yeah, it's hard because a, a guy like Manuel Pellegrini comes in who had uh, so much success at City among oh, other places, and you, you just don't see that translating to West Ham. And uh, again, I mean, they have a guy like Arnautovic who can score, and you know, they, there's some guys there that that can do something, but they haven't seemed to be able to put together a cohesive system to, uh, you know, like boys were saying, to put together uh, to take advantage of chances. Mm-hmm. And you know, with with City with Liverpool. Like you said, you're going to get chances because they leave their defenders so much on an island all the time. Mm-hmm. But if you if, if you don't take advantage of those chances, then you're going to get housed for nothing and, mm-hmm. and just run off the pitch. So, you know, West Ham, uh, Everton, kind of uh, some of those teams in, in the middle, Leicester City, who have a chance to kind of make the jump. Unless those teams kind of play a flawless game against the top six, they they're not going to uh, be able to to you know kind of improve on their station in the Premier League. And I do think Pellegrini will get them more organized and and kind of um, you know steady the ship at least. But unless unless you really kind of play a perfect game against these top six teams, these top six are so far ahead mm-hmm. of these guys talent wise that uh, it's going to be hard to uh, to steal many wins off them. Mm-hmm. Let's transition on now. We have a third spot still to guess. So, Tim, uh, what do you what do you think it is? I'm going to go out on a limb here and uh, say these are two of my uh, kind of sleeper favorites. Uh, that Everton Wolves game was really great yesterday. That was not on the list, unfortunately. Ah. No. So, boys, we're going to swing back to you. What do you think it was? Given that this is sort of a glorified popularity contest, I'd maybe go with Chelsea's 3-0 win. That would be it. Yes, that'll give you that one point. Chelsea under new manager Maurizio Sarri managed to put three past Huddersfield on Saturday, the final score being 3-0. Tim, let me give you this question. Uh, Chelsea, during the summer transfer window, had all this speculation about losing all their good players. We had Hazard potentially leaving, William potentially leaving. 
Both of them stayed. Um, what do we see for Chelsea this season, perhaps stemming off what we saw from their performance on Saturday? Yeah, it's interesting because, again, you know, I'll, I'll take and not just because uh, of what I, what I do on my podcast, but I think there's a lot of comparisons to the first year of Pep Guardiola at Manchester City mm-hmm. that you saw yesterday uh, with, you know, the first day of Sarri Ball. You know, these guys really looked like you could see them thinking about their positioning, about their passing, about where they were supposed to be on the pitch. And especially in the you know first quarter of the game, they looked really um, kind of stunted and, and they, they didn't really have um, a smooth concept of kind of what was going on. Luckily, they started the uh, year against Huddersfield, who I, uh, you know, I like their coach. I like Aaron Moy, but uh, I do think they're probably going to get relegated this year. So mm-hmm. the talent won out there. I think, again, they're probably a year behind in players, uh, along with not you know, losing a lot of their guys, which is good. They also didn't get to, get to bring in many guys uh, other than Jorginho, really, to kind of implement Sarri's style of play. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that uh, as those guys get more comfortable, they're going to seem better. And as they get another transfer window under their belt, maybe in January they'll bring some more players in. So I, I think Chelsea's going to grow. But I was actually uh, really surprised how quickly they kind of found that after after looking pretty bad in the beginning of that match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I agree. Yeah, Boyce, what is your take on the the whole Chelsea situation? Do you think they're just kind of steadying the ship? Do you kind of agree with Tim in that respect? What do you think? I mean, primarily jealousy. I would have killed for Arsenal to be able to start on the road against Huddersfield Town instead of at home against <laughs> Manchester City. That sounds nice great. <laughs> you know, yeah, when you're transitioning into a new playing style with a new coach... Uh, you're certainly, you know, it's a little bit easier when you're going to one of the worst teams in the Premier League and playing them as opposed to the defending champions. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Thank you, FA. I really appreciate that. As far as Chelsea's concerned, I, I think there is something to be concerned about. I mean, you look at a situation where Courtois left, their new goalkeeper, Kepa, is not Courtois. He's not going to be Courtois. He might be Courtois one day, but there's no guarantee whatsoever. I think you're going to have issues with that. Their backup keeper is Willie Caballero. That's also terrible. And then you add that Rob Green. They have a collection of just some of the worst goalkeepers in the entire Premier League and a kid that's 23 years of age that doesn't really have a lengthy future. Lengthy history, my apologies. I'm looking at contracts right now. Not that they used him a lot yesterday, but Cesc Fabregas is up in 2019. Conte's up in 2021. Hazard's up in 2020. Pedro's up in 2020. You're talking about a lot of contracts where there's two years left on them. Mm -hmm. And they might get through this year, but it certainly doesn't seem like Hazard wants to stick around. So slowly but surely, that sort of starts to seep in. As the year goes, there'll be a little bit of transition. I think you saw during one of the Jose Mourinho years when Hazard was upset, he doesn't play well in a system when he's not completely happy. And it certainly seemed like he wanted to join Courtois at Real Madrid over the summer. Mm -hmm. Um, do you think but he I, still will, maybe? Do you think there'll be that window maybe next year that he'll he'll jump ship? I think he'll, they almost have to. He doesn't seem like he's interested in signing a long-term contract with Chelsea. Mm-hmm. He certainly seems like he wants to transition to someplace else. He's 27 years old. He'll be 28 next year. Uh, you know, he wants to play for Real Madrid, potentially, you know, take over for Ronaldo and, and leave a legacy there. And I think it's something that he could potentially do. And it looks like Williams contracts up in 2020 as well. So that's another player that may very well go. Mm-hmm. Chelsea have a staple of backups everywhere in the premier league because they've got a player loaned out to basically every other squad. <laughs> yeah. But you know, 
I just I wonder about the squad this year. There's talent. They kept a lot of it up front. The midfield looks a little bit better. I you know they got Kovacic and from Real Madrid for a year when they got absolutely fleeced by them for that Courtois deal. But there's still some talent in the midfield. They've still got some money. Uh, nobody's pissed off anymore about Conte. So there's <laughs> there's some hope there. I think even as somebody who loves Olivier Giroud, um, un unabashedly <laughs> do you <laughs> yeah you have to have concerns if you're chelsea i yeah. Al- alvaro Morata was horrible last season mm-hmm. what just a terrible waste of money uh Giroux, again 31 he'll be 32 uh it come october it's an aging line and then if you want to have hazard as the false nine throughout the entire year maybe but i you know that basically makes them completely irrelevant from a front line in the air uh, they're pretty small. I, I worry about them. I think they're probably going to be fifth or sixth place again mm-hmm. this campaign. Abramovich might jump off a ledge at that point, but uh, you know he got to be a citizen somewhere. Let's swiftly move on, guys, to our next uh, contest of the podcast. It's time for a new game, believe it or not. This one is called "Keep Your Enemies Closer." It's a quick-fire quiz that'll test your knowledge on rival teams. Yes, I'm going to give each of you 30 seconds to answer up to eight questions about a rival team. can be anything based on transfers, past managers. Uh, each correct answer will give you a point. Uh, Boyce, you're going to go up first, and I am delighted <laughs> to bring you 30 seconds of questions based on Tottenham Hotspur. God, this is going to be like a trip down memory lane for me. It's going to be magical. Uh, it's going to be excellent. I can't wait to get zero out of eight of these correct. <laughs> it's going to be absolutely fantastic. You never know. It might be easier than you think. All right, are you ready? Let's do it. All right, <laughs> All right your 30 seconds starts right now. What year was ex-Spurs player Gareth Bale sold to Real Madrid? 2012. Uh, no, it was 2013. What was Tottenham's largest goals tally in a single game? Six. Oh, God, it's more than that. It's nine. <laughs> what club <laughs> did Moussa Dembele used to play for before moving to Spurs? Newcastle? Oh, no, it was Fulham. What year was AVB fired from Oh, wait, Spurs? sorry, hold on. Hold on. You'll have to redo that. I forgot to mute the side. I have the, like, Spurs <laughs> roster up in front of me right now. What's the... <laughs> There's no cheating allowed in this. All right, we got five more seconds. I'll give you one more question. What is Spurs' well-known motto? When the Spurs come marching in? No, it's to dare is to do. And that is your time up. Boyce, I'm sad to say, uh, you were absolutely right. You came away with zero points from that. Um, how do you feel? <laughs> you know, just like that pop-up ad that showed up in the middle of the 30 seconds, completely wasted. <laughs> Proves that uh, you were indeed Googling. It's conclusive. All right, uh, Tim, we're over to you. And you've probably right. guessed by now uh, which questions you might be getting. Um, yep, they're all Yeah, saying... Huddersfield, right? We talked about that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I briefed you beforehand. No, uh, gotcha. it is uh, questions about Manchester United. Ooh, okay. Um, are you ready, sir? I am. All right, so your time starts now. What year did Alex Ferguson retire from management? 2013. Correct. Nice work. All right. To date, how many league trophies have Man United won? Uh, 12. Uh, no, it is 20, sad to say. Oh, uh, which club did Romelu Lukaku play for before he came to United? Uh, Everton via Chelsea. Uh, I'll, I'll take Everton. That was the first thing you said. That was the right. right answer. Uh, last quick question. Who was Manchester United's manager before Jose Mourinho? 
Jose Mourinho. Uh, was that Van Gaal? It was Van Gaal. That is All correct. Right. And that is time up. And you did get a couple of points from that. Nice work, bud. I know more about that than I care to admit, I guess. So, <laughs> <laughs> Again, keeping your enemies closer. All right, uh, we're going to swiftly move on to our last game of the contest, which is, of course, uh, a fan favorite. It is Player Profile. Uh, So a quick reminder for those who don't know, I will provide five different clues to a Premier League player, each clue easier than the last. First person to shout their name and correctly guess said player wins the two points, but you only get one guess as an incorrect shot will freeze you out. Uh, This week's category is titled Trophy Lifters of 2018. So that'll basically rule any Spurs players out. I'm glad you got to make that joke before I did. I I had to do it. I couldn't let anyone else do it. Um, Maybe this year. Who knows? All right. You guys ready? Ready to roll. Let's do it. All right. Player number one is an Argentinian is a striker tim yes tim sergio aguero sergio aguero bam that is correct and we'll get you those two points the other clues were scored 21 goals last season plays for manchester city first name is sergio so nice work on that tim player number two plays for chelsea is another striker played for the french national team boys yes boys <laughs> Olivier Giroud. I knew you'd get that one. I was just waiting <laughs> for the right moment. Uh, yes, that is absolutely correct. The other two clues were used to play for Arsenal and Boyce is insanely obsessed. So, yep, correct on that. You got those points. Congratulations. Uh, player number three is a Belgian. Plays as a defender. Another City player. Tim. Yes, Tim. Vincent Company. Vincent Company. Bam. There you go. Nice work. That'll get you those two points. And the other clue, I believe, was yep. his first name is Vincent. So there you go. That probably would have done it. Player number four is a Spaniard. Scored 11 goals last season. Considered a striker. Plays for Chelsea. First name is Alvaro. Boyce. Yes, Boyce. Murata. Uh, Murata is absolutely correct. Uh, my clue there considered a striker because technically 11 goals for your first season, you'd maybe expect to get a little bit more. I don't know, perhaps. Uh, anyway, this last player for the game uh, is another Belgium. He is an attacking midfielder. Tim. Yes, Tim. Kevin De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne. Bam, there it is, sir. That'll get you those two points. And that is the game, folks. Tim, you have come away with a grand total of 12 points. Boyce has only got seven. So, Tim, you are the winner, bud. How do you feel? My first win. Oh, I feel fantastic. I feel like... uh, a true uh, Manchester City person now with uh, with all this victory. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. There were, <laughs> I like that. There were quite a few clues that were Man City driven, but hell. I mean, <laughs> they were. I grabbed them. Like you played took... my strengths today, which I appreciate. <laughs> Maybe uh, I'll win the next one when uh, Arsenal actually win a trophy. Uh, <laughs> um, boy spot, how you feeling? You know, just like my Arsenal team this morning. Put in a good shift. Didn't come out with the victory. Better team won. Sad. <laughs> Better team. Uh, Sally did win. Um, guys, that's all we have time for. Uh, big thanks for our guests, uh, Boyce Richardson and Tim Crean. Tim, uh, go ahead and give us uh, another quick reminder of your podcast, bud. How can we reach out? How can we listen in? All that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, the podcast is the Citizen Abroad podcast. You can uh, find it on SoundCloud, on Google Play, on iTunes, all the places you get your podcast. 
and uh, to follow me in other areas, Twitter is at Citizen Podcast, C-I-T-Y-Z-E-N Podcast. And the email is citizenabroad at gmail.com, spelled the same way, C-I-T-Y-Z-E-N Abroad at gmail.com. Nice work, man. Nice work. And thanks uh, so much again for coming on. We enjoy your company as always. And uh, let's hope City at least lose one game this season. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, <laughs> but that is all we have time for, folks. Thanks again for listening. And until next time. <laughs>